0: We're at part 15 tonight. We've got one to go. Can you believe that? I'm already getting prepared for the Gog Magog war that we begin 2 weeks from now. And it is probably the precursor to Armageddon. Our text will not be revelations, but it will be Ezekiel 38 and 39. And it is a yet unfulfilled portion of scripture. Most Bible prophecy has been fulfilled. There is some yet to be fulfilled, of course, book of revelations and All the bowl judgments and seal judgments and trumpet judgments and all of that, that's yet to be fulfilled. But Ezekiel 38, 39 is yet to be fulfilled. And we're getting ready for that now. We're getting ready to teach it. But tonight we're going to look at a new heaven and a new earth. How many of you are ready to get into the Word? Are you ready to read about a new heaven and a new earth? Amen? It's good to get out of the judgments, isn't it? Let's look at it. Last time we saw what the 1,000-year millennium would be like. We took a glimpse at that. It's going to be an amazing time. And I want to make a distinction. The millennium takes place on this earth. Jesus rules the world out of Jerusalem. But what we're going to get into tonight and next week, next week a great deal, tonight a lot, is the new Jerusalem that will come down out of heaven. And Well, let's just get into it. I'm jumping ahead of myself. We'll let the Word speak for itself. But it is different. So we saw the thousand-year millennium, the lion will lay down with the lamb, carnivorous activity will be gone, viciousness and animosity between species will cease to exist, and it will be a thousand years of peace. The Bible talks about it all through the Old and New Testament. The prophets of old spoke about it a lot the millennium. So let's look at this now. And we closed out with the sobering, really sobering, great white throne judgment. And what's been called the saddest verse in the Bible. What's the saddest verse? If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. We have got to get to the place, church, where we take a stand on the Word of God. That message, Revelation 20 verse 15 is being rejected by a lot of churches in this country who are now saying, well, there's many ways to God. There's many ways you can be saved. There's many ways, not according to the Bible I read. I don't know what verse you've got and what version you've got, but my Bible tells me what we're looking at right there. There is going to be a judgment. There is going to be a reckoning. There is going to be a consequence. And your life will be pulled up before God, and you will answer for the deeds that were done in your body Unless the blood covers your life. Think very seriously tonight, friend. Dear sir, dear ma'am, if you have never accepted Christ into your heart, I urge you to consider the claims of Jesus and of the word of God. And don't be caught without Christ when you enter eternity. You have no guarantee of a tomorrow, no guarantee of a next week. Right now he could return. And where would you be? I hope you would be looking forward to seeing him. Now, chapter 20 spells the end of all civilizations. The final judgment has taken place, the great white throne, and we stand on the brink of a brand new day. Now, the final two chapters of John's revelation describe the celestial city, and it is so powerful. I'll tell you, eye has not seen and ear has not heard Neither has it entered into the heart of men the things God has prepared for those who love him. But then Paul says, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. Well, how do He reveal them? Well, this is revealed by the spirit of God, the book of revelations, the apocalypsis, the great unfolding, the great revealing of the mysteries that were hidden for ages and now are revealed to the church. And so we're going to look at that celestial city, as John Bunyan called it, the glowing and glorious capital of the universe. And the place with heavenly mansions, dwelling places that Jesus has gone to prepare for his own. He's still in the carpentry business. Amen? I mean, he's still building. Listen, there's a mansion with your name on it. I said there's a mansion with your name on it. There is a house with your name on it. It's there with your name on it because of the blood of the Lamb. You're moving someday, whether you like it or not. But once you get there, you're not going to want to come back. He built you a place. That's what it says. Now, like one taking a time trip into the future and into eternity, the new heaven and earth are now unveiled before the aged apostles' eyes. Forty times in the Revelation, John states that these were things that he saw. I saw these things. He says that 40 times. I saw, I saw, I saw. Forty times. Look at Revelations 21.1. Here we are in the 21st chapter. Then I saw what kind of a heaven? New. New. And what kind of earth? New. He said, I saw it. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there wasn't any longer any sea, no oceans. There will be no sea on the new planet Earth, neither a vast expanse of water as now with island continents, nor a foaming sea of wicked humanity, which Isaiah spoke of when he said in the 57th chapter and 20th verse, for the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest. Verse 2 says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, Coming down out of heaven from God. Now, this is after the millennium, after the great white throne judgment, after the thousand-year millennium. This is a millennium down the road. He said, I saw coming out of heaven a city prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Oh, I tell you, God's got good things cooking in the oven, church. All things are created brand new. A genuine new creation occurs. John said, the new Jerusalem. Suddenly, a great voice speaks out of heaven. So he's seeing and he's hearing. You know what blows me away, and I just want to say this before we read this verse. Keep in mind, the man that penned this revelation was an old, blue-collar, former fisherman uneducated unlearned in any of the schools of that day look at this that we've studied for now 15 weeks look at it and tell me that an old crusty leather-skinned sun-beaten blue-collar ex-fisherman came up with this on his own Mm-mm. spirit of god moved on him he was taken up into glory And Jesus gave him this. Look at verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Well, I'll tell you, how would you like to live with Jesus? Amen. Live with Jesus. Now, John sees that God will dwell with us just as he did before the fall in the garden. See, this is a throwback now to the garden. The garden is being restored at the end of Revelation. In fact, in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 3, man loses his walk with God and the glories of the Garden of Eden. He is kicked out of Eden, driven out of Eden by the cherubim. But in the end of the Bible, in the last two chapters, man's walk with God is fully restored and the equivalent of the Garden of Eden is restored. We are let back into the garden. Man's history has now come full circle. In Genesis, we lost it. In Revelations, we get it back. All right. Now, the saved of all the ages, including those people who are loyal to the king, that is King Jesus, and do not yield to Satan's seductive last temptation. We saw last time in Revelations 20 when he's released for a brief season. We will live on the new earth. Verse 4 says, here's what it's going to be like. And there's not a funeral that I ever preside over that I don't read these verses. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things is gone. It's passed away. This week, I had a lot of hospital visits, and I got to tell you, I visit people. Visited a lady, has been discovered, to have liver cancer, lung cancer. I go in there, and I see the pain. I see the tears. I see the fear. And I always think of this verse, that there's going to come a time when there's no more crying. There's not going to be any more death. There's not going to be any more cancer. There's not going to be any more heart disease. There's not going to be any more neurosis. No more, no more psychological affliction or torment. There's not going to be any more need for an extra strength excedrin. I saw a bunch of amens there. I mean, there's no more pain. Because all of the result of sin and all of the attacks of Satan are gone. Wiped away by the blood that is mighty, the blood that is powerful. Everybody say with me, it's all passed away. Now say it's just a matter of time. Now, the sickness, disease, sorrow, and death ushered in upon mankind at the fall are gone now. And John, again, the voice from heaven speaks to him, and this is what he hears. Verse 5, he who was seated on the throne said to me, I am making everything new. Then he said, John, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Look at your Bible. Just look at that Bible in your hand and realize that you've got the book of Revelation because right here, that voice, the Lord Jesus spoke to him and said, write down what you have seen. And what you have heard. So we have it recorded by order of the Son of God. That's why you have it. And I'm so glad John obeyed. He did just that. He wrote down what we hold in our hands, the Holy Bible. And then you come to verses six through eight. And he said to me, read it with me, everybody. It is done. Now we're at the end now. It is done. I am the Alpha, the beginning. I am the Omega, the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. You know that cocaine you used to buy? That cost you. You know that meth you used to buy? That cost you. You know those cigarettes? They cost you more and more all the time. But guess what? The drink that Jesus gives you doesn't cost you because he paid the price. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed somebody to wash my sins away. But then he came along and he paid the price. All to him I owe because he paid the price. So freely he gives the rivers of the water of life to us. Glory to God. It's free. And isn't it interesting, these last two chapters, even the last two chapters of the Bible, when all this has happened and all this judgment, the end of civilization, the last two chapters are filled with invitations from the Holy Spirit, to take advantage of the grace of God while you can. To him who is thirsty, I'm going to give him a drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all of this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But now watch this. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, Those who practice magic arts, and that includes drug abuse. I'm going to let that sink in a minute. Because drug is taken from a Greek word pharmakia. Sorcery is from a Greek word pharmakia. Sorcery is from a word that is also translated drug. And when you involve yourself in drugs, it is a form of witchcraft and sorcery. You're looking for something to alter your mind. You're altering your mind. And let me just give you a little key here. This is free. I'm just going to digress for a second and tell you the truth about drugs. You involve yourself in drugs and you're opening a door to the devil. It is a gateway to hell. It's a gateway to that dark abyss. You're opening yourself up to demon powers. The minute somebody around you, if you're out with some of the crowd and one of them says to you, hey, man, look at this. How would you like to snort a little bit of this, drink a little bit of this, smoke a little bit of this, shoot a little bit of this? Say to yourself right then, look at them and see the face of the devil. They are not your friend. They are not your friend. They are a willing accomplice of the devil to destroy your life. Don't tell me it's not true. I know it's true. I've seen too many people totally destroyed. You don't have to sit and debate with them. You don't have to sit and say, "Well, you know, I, didn't, I I I you know, don't let them say to you, just try it." No, you don't need to try one time putting your hand into a flame. You don't need to try one time walking on hot coals. You don't need to try one time jumping off a 10-story building, do you? Why should you need to try the devil's brew one time? Just be a not even once person. Not even once. You'll end up going places, saying things, doing things you never planned on. You know what I'm saying. Because, see, he calls magic arts, that's taken from pharmacia, drugs. The idolaters and all liars. Look at this list. What a great list. Their place will be in the, where will it be? Where will they end up? In the fiery lake of burning sulfur. What he's doing is he's describing what, earmarks the lives of people who are not redeemed. See, if you're not redeemed, if you're not saved, he's saying this is what you're going to end up doing. Vile, unbelieving, murderers. You will end up in some kind of sexual perversion, some kind of sexual sin in our culture, guarantee you. If the Holy Ghost does not get in you and guide your life, you will end up in some kind of sexual deception. Well, I came to hear revelations tonight, not this. (laughs) This is revelations. You will end up in some kind of magic arts. You will end up worshiping something else, which is idolatry. And so he's just saying people whose lives are marked by these things are the unredeemed and their lot is the fiery lake. It's the second death. We talked about that last time. Now, overcomers, true believers in Christ will inherit all things. All of God's vast and infinite universe. By contrast, all of the wicked will remain forever in the lake of fire. Incomprehensible, but it's what the Bible says. From verse 9 through verse 27, an incredible description of the New Jerusalem unfolds before John's eyes. Verses 9 through 10, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues. Now, here's one of the angels that divvied out the judgments of the bowl judgments, which were the worst of the three. One of those angels is involved now, again. He came to John and said to him, Come and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. He carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, from the summit of a great and high mountain. John beholds the descending city. One commentator surmised that the new city will float above the new earth. Well, that's possible, rather than rest upon it. But look at that. It'll come down out of heaven. Of course, you can't draw or paint anything that is really going to do it justice, but that's an idea right there, coming down out of heaven. For the record, the famous hall of faith in Hebrews 11 is primarily a chapter that focuses on the saints of old looking for this city. And that is why their faith is commended. He says in Hebrews 11, verse 13, all these people, the Old Testament saints, were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. I'm in the earth, but not of it. People who say these things show that they are looking for a, what everyone, city of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. But he says, instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared what? A city for them. It's that city we're looking at right now. John describes it in verse 11. It's shone with the glory of God, he says. And its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal. The city in which the redeemed of the ages will dwell will shine and shimmer with a supernatural glory. It'll glow with the glory of God like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. You won't need a flashlight. You won't need a lamp. You won't need a 100-watt bulb. The glory of God lights the city. Verses 12 to 14, it had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at every gate. Hallelujah. Every time you go in and out, hey, there's an angel greeting. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates east, three north, three south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, right there, that's one artist's rendition of the gate because it said that it's like a pearl. So he made the gate door round and the opening round. I don't know. Again, you can guess, you can surmise, but when you finally see it, oh, my. Now, surrounding the cosmic metropolis will be a wall of jasper adorned with 12 gates inscribed with the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. This fact intimates that God's covenant people, the Jew, will have access to the city to worship Jehovah God and the Lamb because at the end of the War of Armageddon, they have an awakening. There is a revival among the Jewish people. Their day is coming. Their rejection of Messiah is going to end. The blindness that has covered their eyes is going to be lifted. Okay? Spiritual nugget here, God will never forget his covenant people starting with the promise he made as far back as Genesis 12, when he promised Abraham, the first Semite, I'm going to bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you, and through you all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Here it is. Now, verses 15 through 17, the angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. Now, we're about to find out how big the New Jerusalem is. When he measured it, he found it was a square as wide as it was long. In fact, he went and measured it and he came back and said, here's what I measured its length and width and height were 1,400 miles. Now, 1,400 miles high, you in outer space there. 1,400 by 1,400 By 1,400 miles, there's room for you. Some of you are worried about, am I going to have a little condo or a great big mansion? Listen, there's going to be plenty of room for you. You're not going to be in an apartment in heaven. Oh, no, you're going to have a mansion. It's going to fit. Look at this. Then he measured the walls and found the walls to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standard used by the angel. Just how wide? And how high this urban center will be is difficult to comprehend. It'll be 1,400 miles long, wide, and high. And you know what? That's not all of heaven. That's just the city of God. That's just the city of God. Whether it's somewhat like a cube or a pyramid is a matter of conjecture, but it will have ample space for millions and millions of the redeemed from all ages. You're going to be able to go down the street, say hi to David. You're going to be able to go the other way and say hi to Isaiah. You're going to be able to go check in on Simon Peter. You're going to be able to say hi to Paul. And we're all going to go find Adam and kick him. (laughs) And Eve too. They're all going to be there, Old and New Testament saints. Now, did you know that 12 is the number for government in Scripture? There's 12 tribes, 12 apostles, 12 is all through the Bible, and it's the number for government. Therefore, this is the eternal center of divine rule. This is it. John continues in verses 18 to 20, "...the wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold." As clear as glass. "...the wall of the city was built on foundation stones, inlaid with 12 precious stones." The first was jasper, then sapphire, third agate, fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, seventh chrysolite, eighth beryl, ninth topaz, tenth chrysospirous, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. Well, what does that mean? Jasper is like light blue quartz. There you go, right up there. We did our best to get the colors right. Sapphire is deep blue, agate. I can remember as a kid... Doing everything I could to get agate marbles, shooters and boulders. I was big time into shooting marbles. And if you got agates, they had value. I mean, you would lose a bunch of glass marbles and steely marbles to get an agate marble. Now I got a whole city made of agate. It can be light, brown, or white. Look at these colors that God makes heaven with. Emerald is rich, gramethyst. Chardonnay is milk white with reddish strips. Carnelian is flesh colored. Chrysolite is golden yellow with some green. Beryl is aquamarine, one of my favorite colors. And topaz is pale blue. Chrysoprasis is golden yellow with some green. Jacinth is a gorgeous violet amethyst is deep blue and red combo with flashes of purple and you know what is so cool about this people who have gone through this life without sight look at the colors they're going to see look at the colors they're going to see beautiful what God does with heaven and as if that weren't enough John says that in verse 12 the 12 gates were made of pearls each gate from one single pearl say with me that's a big pearl that's a big clam and the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. Now what we're about to hear is my all-time favorite pastor, Howard Kanatzer, Pastor Sonny Kanatzer's daddy. He was my pastor. When Kathy and I, when I was still single, she was still single. I ministered at Beverly Hills Baptist Church, had a college and career group there, and we met there, got married there. Howard was a Baptist who got filled with the Holy Spirit and started believing that people could be healed, and he got the right foot of fellowship out of the Baptist church back in those days. And the church that we were going to exploded from 800 to four to five thousand people in a matter of a year or less. We had to rent the Bronco Bowl auditorium to take care of all the people. And before we moved to the building, Howard was preaching one Sunday morning and had a major heart attack. He turned around to his head deacon, whose name was Blackie. He said, Blackie, I'm having a heart attack. He walked into his office and fell. Before the ambulance got there and after the ambulance had gotten there, he died. They had to revive him. But before he was revived and literally brought back from his heart, having totally stopped, he had a vision of heaven. He came back to the church to share what he had seen, When the doctor said, you're not ready, he said, well, I got to go tell the people what I saw. And they said, well, well, don't get excited. (laughs) It's not a great recording because it's off of a cassette tape from 1975. So it hisses. It's not a great recording. But let me let Brother Howard, who's now with the Lord, tell his story Suddenly, I was on a large rock, a huge rock, like a cliff. I was shattered with that rock because it came up like this, and I was standing back in the shadows with another person, another man who was, I do not know. I looked down and there it was the most beautiful river I have ever seen. So there is a river. I did not see its beginning nor its end. It was the most beautiful, peaceful, plastic river that I have ever beheld in all And then I looked out, and the Lord let me see the holy city, the New Jerusalem. Beautiful. (laughs) Beautiful. I feel like John felt on purpose. about this city, I noticed the buildings. There are mansions there. They look to me more like castles. i don't try to compare my experience with anyone else's. I'm not trying to compare mine with anyone else's. God lets different people see different things. But these were the most beautiful mansions I've ever seen all White. The whitest white, the purest white, so pure, so white. The cleanliness of that city was beyond all imagination. I thought we had beautiful. Stuff. I thought the world was pretty. Full the mountains in Tennessee in the fall and seeing all the different colored leaves, and oh, isn't this beautiful? It's nothing. Believe me, it is nothing. <clears throat> and I can understand when I saw that city, and I saw its beauty, and I saw its purity, and I saw its homeliness. In a moment, I'm not saying this is an angel, for there are many kinds of heavenly beings. In a moment, the street that was running right from me was so wide, was so wide. But I, I remember there was a questioning all the time, the 20 days I was in the hospital, There was a question in my mind. Because I always thought, you know, that the streets are made of gold. But the street was not gold, it was transparent. This puzzled me. It really puzzled me. And I could not read my mind. I began to weep, but I deliberately did not read Revelation until yesterday. How do you know when I read this? I almost had another heart attack. The question that I had was, well, this street, this building street, but it's transparent. It seems like I can see through it. And this puzzled me the whole time I was in the hospital. And I turned to read Revelation 21. Did not read it right now? Listen. In verse 21, this is what it says. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold. As it were, transparent glass. Isn't that beautiful? I've never read that before. That gives me goosebumps. The gold that we know is not for gold that's in heaven. (laughs) In a moment, street was this beautiful, large, heavenly being. And I noticed that this heavenly being was not walking, neither was this heavenly being flying, but just as if he was on air, just moving along. This heavenly being came closer and closer with hands out like this. And I thought, you know, he wanted to come over and get me because I couldn't cross that river. And I noticed as this heavenly being got closer and closer, he also got brighter and brighter. And the rays of light came down. Those rays of light make the sun look insignificant, glorious rays of glorious light. As this heavenly being got closer, and I saw the light coming down, When I looked up, when I looked up, I came to, the first words I heard was, we were take to high city, or service upon To close this, I say to you, there is peace in the valley. Psalm 23, David said, "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, Mm -hmm. for Thou of God, and the words of God in the Bible, then there is perfect peace, and there is a peace that can only come from God, and I can honestly say God be my helper. I can honestly say I have never been at so much peace in all my life as I was, and I walked down the stairs, and I was in my study, and I was all the way to the hospital, and through it all with me there is peace of the valley when you come to die have no fear for he is there amen i would give anything to hear him preach again wrap it up. Isn't that powerful? Powerful. All right, no need for electricity, no need for street lights, security lights, sun, moon, or stars, because the glory of the Lamb literally lights up the city. And as Howard shared, the rays of light coming off that being that approached him made the sun pale. Verses 22 to 23, I saw no temple in the city, John says, For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple, and the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. Folks, heaven's real. Heaven is real. Verse 24 to 25 as we approach the end. The nations, John says, will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of day because there's no night there. Because there's no more crime. No need for locks or bars or gates or fences or tasers or guns. Jesus can take away my Second Amendment rights in heaven. That's fine. Until then, I got my guns. Nighttime does not exist. 26 to 27, and all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those, read it with me, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The saved and the faithful Gentiles of the millennial age, as well as the Israelites, are brought to this new earth. None but the saved shall ever enter. There will be no second chance. Let's stand together, can we? Let's bow for a moment of prayer. I want to talk right to anyone here tonight who has not made peace with God. I don't know. There might be one, maybe more. But I want to be sure that before we close, anyone who needs to has been given the opportunity to To make peace with God. You know, friend, this is the hour of grace. But as we're seeing in the word of God, the day will come when the age of grace is over. Why would you go one more day without making peace with God? If you need to make peace with God tonight, you know you're not where you ought to be in your walk with him. Maybe you've never had the miracle of being born again. Do you know that right now you can leave this building tonight with the peace of God because you've made peace with God. There's only one way to do it and that's through the blood and the cross of Jesus Christ. Why would you let that go? Why miss this opportunity? You say, Pastor Jeff, I used to walk with him but I've drifted, I've gotten away but he's already been dealing with me to come back and make it right. Or I don't know that I've ever truly been born again, been in church, heard messages, but I don't know if me, myself, if I've ever had a spiritual renewal, a spiritual regeneration. And I'd like to be sure tonight, if you're in either one of those categories, would you let me pray for you? Just slip your hand up right where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus tonight. I need to make sure I see you. Put your hands up high where I can see you. I need to make it right. God bless you. I'm going to ask if your hand is raised, do something. Forget about everybody in this place. But if your hand is raised, I'm going to ask you to slip out and come and stand with this little girl and this lady that are already down here. Come and stand. And I'm going to pray with you tonight. Slip out and come. Who cares what people think? doesn't matter what people think. It matters what he thinks. Come and pray. And let's be sure that we're right with God tonight as we sing, You slip out and come. If there's any questions.